spiritual involution. That's our podcast. You said that pretty good. Okay. Welcome to the spiritual <laughs> involution. Involution. The spiritual involution. Yes. Usually I say the first part and you say the last part. Okay. Welcome to the spiritual. I know I say the first part. I know, but I'm trying that. So welcome to the spiritual <laughs> involution. And what is an involution? What is it, David? You're the preacher. No, You're the man. No, not you. I just ask the questions around here. Actually, that's not true. <laughs> well, today it is because our topic is science of mind, and you are a reverend. Science of mind. Science of mind. But we'll go back to involution because we haven't explained why we chose that name in a bit. So for those of the people who might be listening for the first time, why didn't we choose evolution? Why did we choose involution? Uh, well, I know what spiritual involution means for me. Before we before we evolve, we involve. So, involvement is 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 part of the part of the spectrum of evolvement. So we're spiritually involving. Involving. And, but actually, you came up with with an image or an idea first, right? How was that? I don't know. I don't either. It was a collaborative event. <laughs> it was yes. like you said something and I added to it and the, the and that's what we've got. Yeah. Well, it's interesting as I was thinking about our topic today uh, of science of mind, the idea of involution really seems to be potentially, I mean, you're the reverend. <laughs> kind of at the root of science of mind in a way, right? The idea that no longer is God or the thing itself this lofty father figure in the sky like many religions have you believe, but you are um, a product of God or an emanation of the power itself. Therefore, in and of yourself, you are a representation of the divine and can act accordingly as the laws of the divine act. You, you know you're adorable, right? Because you say, <laughs> you're the reverend, as if I know something you don't know, and you know way more than I do. You know way more than I do. I think I get the general concepts, but I want to dive deep for those of the people who aren't aware of science of mind. In fact, I really had no idea what science of mind is when I found this church. Uh, be before we go further, I, can I do a shout-out? I, I spoke to a ministerial colleague of mine. She lives in uh, on the east coast she's the minister in washington dc but she's also the woman who heads the science of mind in the spanish-speaking world so she handles all of uh, latin america can you name her yes uh, her <laughs> name is alex or alexandra escudero mm -hmm. and she was born in colombia and she is bilingual and she's one of those fortunate people who's bilingual um, without an accent in either language. So wow. when she speaks to you in English, you'd be surprised she knows Spanish. Which which was her first language? I I'm guessing Spanish because she's from Colombia, but she must have learned English very early on. All of this I'm making up. Anyway, she was saying to me yesterday that she listens to our podcast. Oh. And she's liking it. I love that. I love when I get people that I would just not even think listened. No, I, I would not think that. <laughs> yeah, either. and a lot of people that listen, I know have never gone to this church, but they love it. They love mm -hmm. hearing us talk. And I was thinking, man, 
I mean, we say you're a reverend, but no one really, maybe people don't really know what you're a reverend of or what really science of mind means. And to my point earlier, when I walked into this church, I just knew I felt good here. Like I loved your message. I loved the flags of different religions hanging on the walls. I felt the acceptance that, but I had no idea like your core concepts. You could be you know, killing chickens in the basement, worshiping some <laughs> woodoo, woodoo, woodoo guy. I yeah. had no idea, but I kept returning. And in fact, I don't think I learned much about what science of mind was really about until I took the foundations class, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I kept going just because I liked the message, but interesting. I don't know where so I'm going with that. is that what you want to talk about today? Yeah, kind of. Science um, of mind. Science of mind uh, in general. Like, I know it's such a deep conversation, right? Ernest Holmes, who's the the father of science of mind, his books are like bigger than the Bible. So I don't know if we could go bigger. You mean like, uh, <laughs> like ginormous, right? Like, like, like the amount of, the amount of words in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's Although a... it probably has fewer punctuation than the Bible. Cause there's, he spoke on, uh, run on sentences without commas or periods. Right. Anyway. So, so I guess for the person who's new, what um, is science of mind? What is science of mind and who, we could start with what Ernest Holmes did. Um, My vague interpretation of what he did was that he studied many religions and kind of found the common thread throughout it all and united it into a sort of, I don't, is it even called a religious, I mean, is it a religion? Well, according to the IRS, we're a nonprofit religious organization. And the the people to whom I think we appeal, they would they would in general call themselves spiritual, not religious. Could so, you define in your mind what the difference is? I heard once, religion is for people who are afraid of hell, and spirituality is for people who have been there. I like it. It's catchy, but can you explain deeper? Yeah. So to me, religion religion is a a collection of ideas or beliefs, a coherent idea about, let's say, a cosmology or a, um, a system. And spirituality is an individual's experience of that system. Right. I don't think they have to be separate. However, most of our constituency would be um, mostly liberal-leaning, at least socially liberal. Um, they tend to be... Um, uh, maverick, mavericks in their thinking. They tend to question authority. Let's say, they uh, they would they would typically be among the educated lot, and they believe that the the universe is generally a safe, sweet, loving place, right. and they believe that the individual has a role in perpetuating that. Right. So, so life is something that we do, not something done unto us. And that's a And by the way, that's a sweeping generalization. Right. And from what I've noticed and how you know, oftentimes at the church there's It's funny you call it the church and the I church. never do. I don't know what else you call and it. You the call building. me reverend and I never introduce myself that way. Preacher man, reverend. Uh, what do preacher you go? guy. Yeah. Preacher that's, that's a homie. That's a riff. But uh, okay. Anyway. But oftentimes you have people from the community come up and and do like a five minute bit we have one this weekend oh good but i'm gonna be gone oh but 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 anyway it's it's not even a five minute bit like an insight talk we have inside talk that's the word i'm sharing the stage with somebody who's a member of this community well 
check out the website. Okay. www.cslsj.org. C right. as in center, S as in spiritual, L as in living, S as in sand, <laughs> J as in Jose. We'll put it on our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> but what I noticed is that um, there seems to be people from all sorts of backgrounds. And when you say spirituality and you kind of um, seem to allude to the fact that there's room for different interpretations within it. Yes. Um, like, for instance, I know we have a few people who grew up Hindu or Buddhist. Uh-huh. A lot of Catholics, I've noticed. And there's even continuing practicing Catholics, people who are who are Christian who come here, and they are Christian. Right. And there are Catholics, and they are Catholic Christians, and there are people who are, who are pagan. And there are people who are actually agnostic, and even, I would dare say, some that are... Uh, would identify as atheist. Yeah. And I like that. I like that. Um, and in that sense, I see how Ernest Holmes did create something that traveled between the lines of many religions and kind of, it was like a an underlying foundation. And what I learned today, and I'm sure you've heard this quote before, but it's from Ernest Holmes. And it says, the study of science of mind is the study of first cause, spirit, mind, or that invisible essence, that ultimate stuff and intelligence from which everything comes, the power back of creation, the thing itself. And I just get such a powerful visual of the power back of creation, like what is under it all. Like it's not, it could be a, it can't, you know, it could be a, an energy source, and you, I always hear that too. Like you give God different names to make people feel welcome. Like it's not like you only say God. I hear God, the source, love, energy, right? I do that for myself because yeah. I, I tend to get stuck. I know I can very easily get stuck. So I often shake it up so that I stay fresh. Does Ernest usually say the thing? I mean, how does he do Does he use God? Oh, my goodness. Or does he if use you, different? If you read his writings, he typically would use a capitalized letter. So he sometimes talks about life, love, universal. Um, but if he puts a capital, he's talking about that thing, which some would call God, Allah, um, Lord. And so when he's talking about that, is my interpretation of it being like there's a, an element of a a law at place, right? A law that doesn't judge anybody. It will react exactly how you implement it. So is that encompassing that power that, is it called creative law or creative process? The creative process is how we might describe what happens when you take an idea or a seed and that idea or seed when nurtured, when it's um, exposed to, let's say, to the elements, to water, to air, to light, it has a tendency to grow into the pattern of its of its uh, programming. So that is the symbol of science of mind, right? That V. Yeah. So our um, it, so, so our, people our their logo... their logo is a circle, right? And then there's a V inside of it, and it's cut into thirds across, right? Yeah. Okay. So when you're saying a seed, that's your thoughts. That's your ideas, right? And then the watering process is the the creative law of God or the thing itself that has no bias. It's not saying, I like you a lot, David. So this seed, I'm going to make a beautiful redwood tree. And this seed, 
I'm going to make a weed. It's whatever the seed is and whatever has to happen, happens. It's a, it's a, is it called the law of reciprocity where it will react exactly as it's always going to react to? I'm, I'm following where you're going with this, I think. And <laughs> yes. And, and we can take this two ways. One is we could probably talk about uh, the, the concept of a seed planted into the soil or the dirt and the dirt doesn't reject the seed like no I don't want to grow watermelons for you today I really want to grow corn I think corn is righteous for you you should have corn not watermelon or it will say no you shouldn't have watermelon or corn because you are a bad person because you were drinking too much last night or you are philandering therefore I'm not going to produce anything so the soil or the dirt does not reject or argue it just reproduces what it's given what it's given now the for people who are listening, they they might already have enough information um, that they don't need to add more info. I'm looking for practical applications. So I think when you're talking about a seed, like I was, we're talking about a thought or an idea. But where, this way gets tricky because then people say, well, right now, while I'm conscious, I'm thinking I would like to pay off my bills. While I'm thinking, I want to handle this diagnosis that scares me. While I'm thinking I want to be cheerful or I want to be sexy or I want to be loved or loving. But the real seeds we're planting is, I think, the overall collection of our thinking. You know, the overall environment of our thoughts. That's what's at play. And those are the seeds that are being planted because they're automatic. They're like constant. Is that making sense? It is making sense. It's almost that differentiation between a thought and being. A thought and thinking. Or thought and thinking, your way of, of interacting in the world. And that's going to produce an outcome. Do you mind if I step on your words? Yes. Because while you were speaking, change your thinking, change your life. That's one of the things that we, we have as a catchphrase. Change your thinking, change your life. And I remember I, I've spent years changing my thoughts and not changing my life. And I'm wondering, well, I keep changing my thoughts. Why is my life not altering? But I haven't changed my thinking. Thinking is like a climate, whereas thoughts are like the weather. Is the, there a difference between how you're using thinking and how I'm using being? Maybe not. Okay. Because I think being and thinking, there correlates I think for me, being is like a natural state that I, I'm not even aware I'm thinking that way because it's, I mean, I'm ingrained in it so much. Yes. And, and the, I'm wondering if repetitive thoughts can actually change your thinking to be a place of being because it becomes automatic and then that would actually change your outcome. You have just described science of mind. All right, we're done. See You're you later. You're done. So this is, <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to Reverend Katie Burke. We're going to call her now the Reverend. Yes. Okay. So with this idea, now that we've kind of hopefully grasped this, another thing that comes to mind is how do our collective beingness, our collective thinking come into play? Is there a greater good that could be had if all of us begin to think or be in a different way? Is that the... I just love that, I love that you're going, you're going for the shallow stuff today. This is... I wish you would... Raise the bar, Katie. These are what these are questions they want to know. They, okay, they're well, ready for it. So they want to the go there. Ask the question again that we can pursue. So there's this, you know, we're the spiritual involution. So we're involving to expand outward. 
And I, I'm, I'm grappling with the idea of, like you said, you can't just have a, you can't just think I want, I want a, a hot date tonight and it shows up at the door. I want this. It's got to be past that, underneath that. It's got to be, like you said, your thoughts. You're thinking well, let me be or clear. You're... you might be able to think I want a hot date and get one. You might be able to. So I won't say that that's not the case. But right. for most people, that's not likely. Right. But there does seem to be something about the person who from some core being emanates joy, joy surrounds them. If they emanate anger, they're going to find anger everywhere. It's, I concur. It's it's like a, it's beyond thoughts. And, and to I me, that, that what you've just described is the science of mind. Right. And so where wait, my... wait, wait, wait. Okay. That is <laughs> that is the science of mind. That is the science of mind. All right. Go on. So now what I want to know is if we are all connected, which I believe we are, as we're individualized portions of the whole divine energy source. Yes. All the problems or the anger or the, the parts that clash that aren't harmonious, is that because in a way... We are a collective mind putting into putting that seed, our collective seed that's going to work through that universal law. We are collectively putting in a seed of strife, of anger, of, you know, problems that are not conducive to peace. That's what I'm wondering. Is science of mind also an individual? Is an individual thing, right? We just talked about that. But is it also a way to eventually reach nirvana, to reach a state where maybe human beings can peacefully live together? In theory, I would say yes. In my life, I find that I don't have to wait until eventually, because I find that now, except when I don't. You know, Carl Jung, Carl Jung described something as the, the collective unconscious. Ernest Holmes, who I would call the synthesizer of the science of mind, uh, Ernest Holmes described it as race thought, race being collective human thought. Um, I think it was Emerson, and if it's not, for those of you listening, forgive me, talked about the mental sea of garbage. So there's not your, your mind and my mind and let's say God's mind. There's just mind. So the science of mind, mind is another word for spirit, let's say, or mind is another word for life, or mind is another word for God. So it's like the science of spirit, the science of life, the science of God. And there's not your mind and my mind and Mary's mind and John's mind. There's only your use of mind, my use of mind, John's use of mind and Mary's use of mind. So what you were saying, I would agree with. Um, The mind that you're using is the same mind that John and Mary are using. And if you're using that mind with the perspective of upset and animosity and hostility, people are going to get that. They're going to feel it because their mind is the same mind you're using. So we have a tendency to to pick up on people because we are connected. Mm -hmm. We pretend we're not, but we are. Right. And... Then there are people like Viktor Frankl, who was in a concentration camp and who experienced freedom even while incarcerated and uh, with no choice on the outside. So his way of being was liberated even though his circumstances were not. So two things are at play right now. 
and I'm juggling them, forgive me. One of them is what you said, is it possible that we can collectively alter things so that everybody experiences nirvana? I would say yes. And even in the presence of imprisonment or things not working or diagnosis or financial failure or, or body failure, even in the presence of those things, we can still experience nirvana. Right. I think I have an internal struggle or juggling with those two concepts as well. Is the world that I perceive the world that's really there and all I should worry about? Like if I can feel peace and harmony and joy, let's say being tortured, that's my reality, that's my chosen perception of the situation, then is that where it should end or should I continue on to hope that the way that I'm being and choosing to see and be in the world is going to ignite further change for all people to be able to perceive and see the world in a harmonious fashion, thus creating the world? Or is the world that I just perceive the world? Okay. <laughs> While I'm looking at you, here's what's occurring for me. That I'm confused? No, no, okay. not at all. Okay. Katie, you are... <laughs> I feel confused. I don't, I don't have that experience of you. <laughs> and I have the experience you're talking about concepts. So concepts for me like being in the in the stands of the bleachers. Concepts are when I'm talking about what should or should not happen on the on the court. Well, concept, but, but not. But when I'm out of the when I'm out of there, out of the bleachers, and I'm on the court, it's a whole different conversation. So let's get on the court with your life. Okay. Your son has uh, eczema. Um, yeah, do you, I brought that up. Oh, yeah. May we? Yeah. And and so how does this apply to that? Let's make this real. Well, I'm 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 not torn up about it. I'm just struggling to find a, a reason and to help it. So it's very bad. It's like going up his whole arm, and it 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 literally looks like he's been burned. <laughs> and we eat very healthy. Um, so you know, I'm just looking for the answer. I'm looking, you know, I take him to a doctor, and they want to put steroids, which is a topical treatment that interacts with your hormones, and it just kind of solves the problem and then it comes back worse later so there's not a root there's so not it a solves the symptom symptoms, not the cause not the cause that's science of mind science of mind goes to the to the cause not the symptom okay but here's what i'm saying okay. i'm not sure i'm fully articulating it well conceptually or not i do feel almost all the time mostly peaceful that the my world is good yes. that i exist and i am out there and i'm loving strangers and i'm opening up to this world that I, I'm trying to create in my own world, the world I wish was everywhere. Yes. And is that the world that really exists because I feel it and it's my perception, but then I feel a pull knowing that somewhere, somewhere away from me, there could be a child starving and all he wants is food. But here I am in a nice town in San Jose perceiving and, and making this lofty claim that, you know, Peace is everywhere without change. Like to just stay in my own being for peace seems negligent, or is it? Because that's where it needs to start. It needs to start. Negligent how? Negligent in, in that I'm ignoring people's suffering. Or well, is that suffering needed? Or is it perceived to be suffering and not suffering? Wow. <laughs> uh, firstly, I don't. Uh, do you think you have the power to resolve everybody's suffering? 
Well, that's what I'm wondering. Collectively, I mean, I, if we are a collective consciousness and there's a Answer seed, my question. Me personally? Do you have the power to resolve everybody's suffering? Yes. You do? Maybe. If I'm a divine creation, why couldn't I solve suffering? Because that's, that's up to the individual. There are people who are suffering and there are people who are in pain and there are people who are suffering but not in pain and there are people who are in pain and who are not suffering. Because suffering is a, a view, it's a take, it's a, a perspective. Pain is not the same. I'll use Mauricio as an example again. He said in Mexico, being a developing country, he, he was exposed, and I've seen it many times, as I have in Egypt and India and other places. You'll see people who are, let's say, close to starving, or maybe even starving, people who uh, have illnesses that are incurable, um, that are n not healable. And those people have a sense of peacefulness and happiness and powerful living. They're powerful. And then Mao said he saw a lot of pain when he grew up in Mexico, but he never saw anybody who was suffering until he came to the U.S. I see the distinction. So let's use temperature in this room. Um, this room is probably right now about 78 degrees and very still. There are people like Mauricio who sweats just blinking, who might find this room unbearable. And then there are people who love the desert and would think this room's a little too chilly for them. The room is what the room is. It's just what it is. But how people are interacting with it, perceiving it, um, relating to it, I think is what you were talking about. Right. So do you have the ability to change someone's mind? So that's where I, if I say no, then that's what the answer is. And I don't, right? <laughs> like, wow. that is science of mind. If I, if, if wax I say on, yes. Wax off. Very good. <laughs> so I want to say yes, and I believe it could be yes, but I think it You do, and you know how you're doing it? Is by... This podcast is part <laughs> of it. The way you're looking for solution for your son's um, challenges on his arm... Uh, the fact that, that Reverend Alex Escudero listens to this is not because of me. It's because of you, because of what you invented. Um, now Lee Wolak, Reverend Lee Wolak of the Science of Mind, is going to know that you talked about him while you were pulling up that quote of Science of Mind. Um, the people who are following you on Instagram, that's how you're doing it. Well, that's a way. I think I was trying to wrap it into Science of Mind in the idea of our thoughts, change your thinking, change your life. I want it to be, change all of our thinking, change the world. Yes. Like, and, and how to get from my own thinking, my own involve, involution, to be part of a greater picture than just myself perceiving the world to be what it is. I, I, I want- I get you. I want that person who is suffering to not suffer. I, I want that too. And, and I don't think I, maybe the process is so much bigger that I don't com completely comprehend. It could be thousands of years from now, my, my children's children's children, and, and we grow slowly through places like Science of Mind and through Center for Spiritual Living, through this belief that we can, we can be, I think organisms want to grow and they want to better themselves. And right now we're living and we're destroying our earth and we're not connecting to nature and we're not feeling our intuition and we're not 
being spiritual beings. And I think we need to return to that. And I think there's maybe the heaven on earth part is the final return to where we all are a collective, peaceful thinking organism. Well, I have to give up <laughs> that. I'm moved by what you just said. And while you were speaking, I, I saw a parallel train on uh, like parallel tracks. There's another train racing right next to the train you were just speaking of. And that is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I just had Kevin just said that to me. Okay. My friend Kevin. Kevin, you guys so are on the same. You can keep we can keep <laughs> presenting we can present opportunities for people. It doesn't mean that that they're going to take it because first off, I'm learning in my own life. Um, in order for me to be peaceful, I must give up the interpretation that there's something wrong here. Yes. So I can experience I, there. <laughs> I can experience people who have nothing to eat and I can experience that they're suffering and I can I can maybe make a contribution. But I must give the give up the interpretation. There's something wrong here. So, Esther and Jerry Hicks talk about contrast. So, we, I bring in up Esther and Jerry Hicks. Maybe some of you want to explore that later. But um, I don't want to go too deep with that. What does come up for me is everything in the physical world is simply contrast: hot and cold, up and down, good and bad, sick and well, vibrant and and tired or fatigued, young and old, uh, birthing and dying, everything is a contrast. Right. In the absolute, none of that is relevant because everything is within it anyway. Right. I. It's funny you bring that up because this, this might be really wonky. <laughs> I love that word, wonky. So I was in the car and Tess loves Beauty and the Beast, right? Mm -hmm. My daughter Tess. I wonder if I still have the lyrics. But... The one the movie The oh, Secret. Well, there we go. The, the one um song that kept wanting to play and I kept trying to turn it off was the, the Beauty and the Beast song, you know. Yeah. Tale as old as rhyme. Uh -huh. Da 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 da. And I couldn't get it off and finally I started listening to it and I thought about it in a different way. I thought about I'm gonna try to find the lyrics. Let's see. I thought about it in terms of contrast, of yin and yang. Uh -huh. And it started to have this different feel about it and I was like maybe I was supposed to hear this so tell me so take away beauty and the beast and mean beauty and beast as polar opposites right there's black there's white uh -huh. yin and yang so tale as old as time true as it can be barely, barely even, even friends, friends then and somebody, somebody bends, bends unexpectedly yes just a little change small to say the least both a little scared, neither one prepared, beauty and the beast, so black and white. Just ever just the same, ever a surprise, ever as before, and ever just as sure as the sun will rise. And I'll go certain as the sun rising in the east, tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, beauty and the beast. Um, tune as old as song, bitter, sweet, and strange, finding you can change. So anyway, I was thinking of this not as Beauty and the Beast as a love song, but that earth or humanity seems to always be in contrast. Like everything dies and and everything is birthed. And maybe the the end is like the yin and yang meshes together to form a gray. Like there is no contrast. That's the ultimate nirvana state is when a change happens, a bend happens. 
and maybe that's what happens when you die. <laughs> I think Beauty I've, and the Beast. I've used this word. I've called myself a dick before. Um, mostly, I, I'm not that now. But I remember the time when I was a total dick to, to Mauricio. And, and I behaved in such a way that I just blew up the relationship. This was very early on, and I marched out. I told you this before. I don't regret the horribleness of realizing the mistake I made. Even when I think about it now, it still makes me a little scared. But that's the contrast that makes every day with him so amazing. Because I had the experience of how horrible it was to be a few days or hours with the idea of not being in this relationship. Yeah. So that contrast I wouldn't want to take away. If you take it all away, it's like being in a bathtub um, that was hot, but as your body rises to it and then everything is hot, you no longer feel hot or cold. Every, it's a, like a numbness takes over. What if it's a euphoric state of joy? Yes, and then there comes a point when the euphoric state of joy becomes the norm and it's no longer euphoric. Ask any addict. Hmm. That's why they keep reaching for more. Okay. So do you think there could ever be peace or does contrast always imply with peace must be war peace meaning the absence of war because they're not the same peace being harmony peace being everything's working as it should the ecosystem that was built is properly running the air is clean the trees are blooming things are dying as they should things are being birthed as they should the soil is clean you know i'm not asking us to pretend that some things are not so or to take action no um, and I believe, well, many things just happened, what you just said. So I'm cautious to answer as, as if I had an answer. Uh, I, I would be cautious with that. Uh, what's your question? Well, I guess my question is, I don't know, this is not really about science. Is it about well, science about, of mind? <laughs> let's talk about um, so uh, the environmental disasters. I'm not pretending that those are okay or that they ought to be. But I'm not going to. I, I'm not going to take a position of againstness. I'm going to take a position of forness. Like I yeah. want to be for um, environmental reconciliation. I want to be for doing whatever I can do to contribute to the renewal of the earth and and not continue to add to the harming of it. But is that making sense to you? Are right. You... I think where I'm going. I think I've just solidified it maybe a little Ooh, in my head. Here it comes, everybody. <laughs> I don't know. The natural course of human beings or life in general on this planet Earth for now is a yin and yang, is the contrast, is a push and pull. There's a natural way of pushing and pulling, like the wolf video where they included the wolves into Yosemite. Was it Yosemite back? Yeah, it's called the Trophic Cascade. Yes. And all of a sudden, when they introduced the wolves back into this ecosystem everything started to flourish even though that meant more deer being killed uh -huh. but that's how the universe created it that's balance. balance maybe that's the word balance and i think human beings have a way of creating an imbalance through incorrect thinking perhaps where we start to or can i stop you for just a second yes. human beings my peers right now my my quote spiritual unquote human being peers may experience imbalance because I'm noticing that people have spirituality in their head, but not in their lives. Right. 
It's not coming. No, there are people literally who are like, God is all there is. Life is good. Life is amazing. I'm doing my yin, my yang, my yoga. I got my incense burning. I'm wearing my patchouli. I got my, my clothes, my, uh, my, my goddess wear. But I am bitter and mean and nasty and I'm rude to people. And I'm, I'm hard on my body and hard on others. Right. And that might be inside their own system it might be like yosemite they they've taken it they're trying to remove something that's needed for it to be balanced yeah and so but what i'm wondering is that's needed on earth and how to have the balance returned but when i meditate or when i reach that feeling of how i just imagine it being as a spiritual being without a body like when i die this is how i'm imagining it I'm imagining melting into every aspect of the yin and the yang, and it is a state of gray. There's nothing that I'm judging or being imbalanced with because I'm I'm I've returned to it all in its entirety. Uh-huh. And that's, I guess, where I'm going with. I don't know what I'm going with. I'm just confused again. I don't get that sense that you're confused <laughs> at all. I'm talking out loud the thoughts in my head, and sometimes... Well, anyway, we probably should wrap it up. Um, to summarize, uh, science of mind. This might have been a little scattered for science of mind. I actually like it. Do you like it? Yeah. Okay. So we ha- we definitely decided though that it is your thinking or your versus being your thoughts. thinking versus your thoughts going through a system of laws, a law, a universal law that God doesn't have any bias with if you if you are being a certain way the outcome will always be what it typically that's a tendency yes it is and whether or not this can be collectively so as a human race or as as a bigger picture is still up for no i'd say you can you can for example when you're when you are sane and calm at least on the outside in the presence of tess your daughter's temper tantrums everybody in the house tends to they tend to entrain to your peaceful calmness. So you actually can impact other people by how you're being. Right. And I look forward to hearing what Alexandra Escudero, <laughs> Minister of Washington, D.C., and uh, um, representative for Latin American Science of Mind, what she has to say about all this. Yes, tell us if, if this, hopefully this made sense. And, I think and Lee, Lee Wolak, Reverend Lee Wolak, thank you for providing the quote for Katie to yes. start this conversation. I'll today. end with the quote again, because I do think it sums it up well. So it says, this is from Ernest Holmes, though, the study of science of mind is the study of first cause, spirit, mind, or that invisible essence, that ultimate stuff and intelligence from which everything comes, the power back of creation the thing itself so everybody are you looking for something else i'm actually just looking in the concordance to the science of mind to actually find that quote oh all Um, right so everyone thank you very much for joining us on the spiritual involution have a great week have a great week Bye. bye